gonna take it from the top. Uh-huh. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah, I mean, conceited flow, whatever you call it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, smooth dough. Hello, podcast listeners. This is your host or temporary host, depending, uh, Patrick Polk. I say that because this is the first ever cross-posted podcast between the Fancy Fantasy Football League podcast and the PPRL pod. Uh, so that means we have upwards of like a two dozen potential listeners here uh, 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 shattering the record for me. Uh, and this episode, I wanted to actually talk about the Oscars uh, that are coming up. And for that, I thought of no better potential guest than my lovely wife, Jennifer Murphy. Jen, say hello. I'm pretty sure I'm not the best guest for this podcast, but I am the most convenient guest for this podcast. No, you're the you're the best, Jen. Don't uh-huh. don't be so hard on yourself. Um, I will say that I feel I wasn't warned that this was going to be a crossover podcast, and I'm suddenly very nervous because the John Rhodes podcast is a super professional outfit, whereas our little fancy podcast is just a bunch of nonsense. And now I have some performance anxiety. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, there, there's some harsh critics in the John Rhodes League. Uh, You're not making it better. Yeah, like John will listen and judge it really harsh. I he, know. he provides he provides very specific notes. John was my softball what team leader captain captain. Sure. He was. <laughs> what would that would be the word? Okay, you, and I remember. Yeah, I saw the disappointment in his eyes. Yeah, every so he, week he has that right now. He's like, oh, you're destroying my podcast. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, I I so. As many listeners know, hopefully nearly everyone, um, Jen and I really enjoy the Oscars and movies in general. And so every year we u- typically have a, a, a Oscar pool party um, where we try to predict the Oscars. But then also the past several years, we have gone to the Oscar uh, Best Picture Showcase at AMC Theaters where we see all of the Best Picture nominees in uh, two different Saturday marathons. So they're about 12 hours apiece, depending on how long the total movies are, uh, and uh, and see all of them. This year, there are nine nominees, so we're going this coming Saturday and next Saturday, which is the Saturday right before the Oscars. And so um, that's really fun every year. I look forward to it every year. But notably, that also means that we haven't actually seen any of the movies that we're about to discuss. So this is all conjecture and speculation. Uh, but I, I tried to come prepared so we can still bring the thunder and the noise. Uh, so are you ready to, to talk about some movies, Jen? Yeah, the more I think of it, now I think you aren't even really qualified to have a conversation about the Oscars for a podcast. Like, shouldn't we have somebody that has actually seen any of the movies talk about the movies that are nominated? That's I bet a lot of the listeners have. Some of them have, and I know some that might come into play uh, when we're talking about expectations of the movies. Uh, But yes, um, I think, so I have a little game we can play. Oh, oh, how good. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So what I was thinking... Uh, that we could go, we could talk about um, each of the best pictures, just you know, in general terms, obviously, because we haven't seen them. Uh, talk about how well they were critically received, by which my preferred metric is Metacritic.com. And then this is the part where it comes into play. Sorry, you don't like Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, I could talk for a while about why Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> is just definitely I know. worse. I know, but people I know. like it. Yeah, I know because they're wrong. Yeah, Metacritic is better because it tries to assign a specific 100 point scale score to each review, and then on a curve, puts one Metacritic number for each uh, movie or whatever else it's reviewing. Whereas Rotten Tomatoes is just what percent fresh it is. And so it's just like thumbs up or thumbs down and what percentage are positive reviews or negative reviews. And that's very, 
that's way less useful, I think. So anyway, um, so what I thought, the thing that we could do because, because we haven't seen the movies yet is talk about our expectations of how much we'll like them, and then after we see all nine of them, and necessarily because the Oscars are the next day, also after the Oscars, we could reconvene and talk about how the movies actually lived up to our expectations or lived down to them. Uh, and so, so first of all, with that all out of the way, um, I've pulled up a little spreadsheet here with the Metacritic scores for all nine best pictures. Uh, and I just want to talk about your, your thoughts on that, uh, particularly jumping out at me. Uh, Moonlight has a 99 out of 100. Um, so it's one of the best reviewed movies of all time. Uh, Manchester by the Sea has a 96 on Metacritic and La La Land has a 93 and there's a lot of other uh, movies that are no slouches the only one that's a little bit lower uh, there's there's three movies in the 70s but uh, Lion has a 69 so anyway what do you think just first impression seeing those Metacritic scores and, and, the, and the crop of movies that we're going to see I think overall it's promising it's uh, unusual in at least as far as I recall that we have three uh, 90 or above rated movies, especially two very high 90s. Um, mostly, I'm feeling like this is not enough data for me to properly analyze anything. Uh, as half of our current listeners know, and the other half has no idea, I have like a weird spreadsheet problem with fantasy football, and so I feel like I don't have like the aggregate score for the last 10 years. So how do I? How how can I even comment on this? I just want your thoughts. I wasn't asking for a detailed analysis of how this compares to but previous that's years. Fun. Well, then you can host the next episode <laughs> no, and you can pull up all the data. No, ain't nobody got time for that. Uh, so, yeah, I would just. OK, just wanted- I'm, I'm excited. Um, I am. I'm, I don't know. Are we going to go like movie by movie? Yeah. So. Okay. Um, so the the marathon is four movies this coming Saturday and then five movies the following Saturday. And so the four movies that we're going to watch this Saturday are perhaps in this order. Manchester by the Sea, Fences, Hell or High Water, and then La La Land. And then the second Saturday is Moonlight lion arrival hidden figures hacksaw ridge so i thought we'd just go in the order that it's on the amc website uh so first talk about manchester by the sea and just go down the list i also pretty much every year make a concerted effort to not really even learn that much about the oscar movies until we go to see them so some of these movies i know next to nothing about like manchester by the sea what i know is like fuck casey affleck and it's about a boy and his adopted nephew Maybe. Well, I wouldn't say Casey Affleck plays a boy. No, Casey Affleck is like a young man. And then it's like his brother or nephew or something. And it's supposed to be really depressing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very depressing. Uh, I didn't like Casey Affleck Affleck before. So I'm not, I don't have high hopes. Although 96, obviously. Super high. I know. Although I would like to remind you that one Amour got like a 96 as well. And I fucking hated it. And I, it's like I'm still scarred by how much I hate it. I think you're probably still scarred from hearing about how much I hated it. Yeah, I didn't enjoy the movie, and I thought it was there. Like your main, one of your main criticisms of the of a more was essentially that it was just like needless unpleasantness without any message. And I agree with your general thesis that there was like no point to that movie. But I didn't hate it nearly as much as you did. But experiencing that and, movie and, and like soul crushingly pretentious in doing so. Yeah. Um. So I. So yes, the experience of being in a movie theater sitting next to you as you like seethed with rage for the entire duration of the movie and then afterwards talked about it a lot was really unpleasant for me. So so yes, I I, I think I you were having fun for like a little while and then it just went too far. Yeah, it was it was unpleasant. 
So anyway, <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't want to talk about it anymore. I mean, we can, we could. <laughs> no, it's okay. W- I barely remember anything about it, and that's for the best. Yeah. So, um, so Manchester by the Sea, uh, our little game, Jen. Uh, it has a ninety-six on Metacritic. It's a depressing movie starring Casey Affleck. It's about uh, adopting, I believe, a nephew, um, and having some sort of trauma that he's Casey Affleck is trying to get over himself, and so he thinks he's not equipped to handle a child. Uh, so, what would you predict? On How about scale of one I want to, I want to change your game. How about we predict how much the other person is going to like it? I mean, I thought I was the host and you specifically said, Pat, why don't you come up with a plan for this? Because it's more fun when one person has a plan instead of the other person trying to. But no, we can we can just switch everything. Sure. Sure. I don't know. I just if you predict how much you're you're going to like it, I'd like there's a there's a self-reporting problem. And... I, I feel like I am very willing to admit when a movie exceeds my expectations or does not live up to them personally. But. Fine. We let's, could let's we could do both. I don't know. Let's, or we I'll, could just I'll do it your way. We no, no. Know. I'll I'll predict. So so Jen, I think you will go into it with a bad attitude, like Amore, but it won't be as depressing as Amore. It will be very pretentious. I think you'll hold a grudge against Casey Affleck, and so on a scale of one to ten, I think you'll acknowledge that it's relatively well made, well written. Um, so maybe like a six. Oh, I would have guessed I'd give it higher. I feel like. I have rage problems with prejudging movies, but I think I'm usually pretty willing to admit when they're good. Um, I was going to give you an eight for that. Wow. Yeah. Hopefully I like it that much. Next is Fences, which has a 79. Fences. Is that the baseball dad who never got a chance? Exactly. And we'll be talking more. Denzel Washington. We are closing out this podcast with a, like, not very broad, but very deep trivia dive on a couple of topics. And I will be talking about fences later. Uh, I'll, I'll, you will learn some things. Um, but anyway, yes. Yeah, so it is, it is uh, another depressing movie has a 79 Metacritic. It is not hidden figures combined with fences. It is not hidden fences. We're talking just fences. Uh, so yeah, Denzel Washington, um, one of the potential front runners for best actor. Uh, he won, the SAG, surprisingly, or the Golden Globe. He won one of those in a surprise um, over Casey Affleck. So anyway, uh, it has a 79. And what do you think I will like about that movie? What, what About what will it be? I hate Casey Affleck so much. Um, Let's move on. <laughs> this is hard because I know <laughs> this is just not very interesting for our listeners, this entire situation. Um, I don't really know. Maybe a seven. Cool. Oh. Sorry. Yep. And I think you will like it. Uh, I agree that you will like this one uh, a fair amount. So I will give you, I'm not doing any decimals here. So I'll say, I'll say even a seven as well for you. Yes. Hell or high water, cowboys. Cowboys and sort of heisty. And so this one um, was discussed in the John Rhodes email chain because some people saw it. The first person to mention it that I remember uh, was Mike Huber, and he said it was great. And other people saw it and said, oh, yeah, I really liked it. And so my hi- hopes have been really raised about this movie. Um, it does, of course, star Jeff Bridges, the dude. So it has to be great. Yeah, I'll say you're going to give it an eight. I feel like that's low for me. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. You're kind of harsh. I am. Uh, I think you... I'll go back with uh, a seven on this one. I think it'll be more fun than some of the other ones, but you'll still... I uh, think it has problems. I don't particularly like fun. Yeah. All right. Now here's the, this is the one that kind of the main reason I wanted to do this segment. Um, <laughs> because you know, I'm prepared to hate La La Land. La La Land has a 93. It is the front runner for many, many awards. Um, 
La La Land is like the only movie I have any thoughts on. And right now I'm just really prepared to hate it. I know I probably will like it because apparently it's the sort of movie that's pretty enjoyable for everybody. But I just feel like it's one of those movies that's getting probably too much attention for its level of quality because of the novelty and the actors and because it's a movie about movies, which apparently Hollywood cannot resist under any circumstances. Mm -hmm. So I feel Mm -hmm. like this is this year's The Artist in a way. And Certainly. A lot of parallels there. Yeah. I just am not, I'm already not into it. And the the thing is, I do like both of them. Emma Stone is delightful, but I just, I kind of can't. And especially when I like, I'm already mad about Moonlight getting eclipsed by la la land <laughs> see what i did there yeah yeah um even though i've seen neither of them so and and again as as previously discussed like i feel like i'm pretty able to be like oh i'm gonna fucking hate it and then be like yeah i loved it it was great exactly so i will predict for you that you will begrudgingly think it's okay still overrated so i'll give another seven for you and i bet you'll think it's super overrated and give it a five wow you i'm a real grouch especially about this kind of thing. You don't like musicals. You don't like romantic comedies. You don't like super popular movies. I like a lot of popular movies. Mad Max is one of the best movies of all time. I was about to bring up Mad Max (laughs) and then I didn't want to bring up Mad Max because then we'd have to talk about Mad Max. We don't have to talk about it, but it is a 10 out of 10 for sure. Ah, love that movie. One member of our listening audience was almost cut out of Pat's life several weeks ago for accidentally making a Mad Max comment that Pat found to be questionable. Yeah. Uh, now the other big front runner, Moonlight has a 99 on Metacritic. So it's like, honestly, like one of the probably top 20 highest rated movies of all time on Metacritic's database. Uh, there are not very many hundreds or 99s. So, uh, it's way, way up there. Um, I, I think it, uh, it sounds very good. It'll obviously be very emotional. Um, uh, but I, I think it'll be super awesome. So I think you will like it and think it's very good. I will say you'll give it a nine. I think you'll give it a nine as well. I'm very excited about it. I know very little about it. That's just where I'm at. And here's here's the next one, and I think it'll be a little divisive. Oh, Lion, you're going to give that like a fucking four. Lion is not up your alley. And But you will like it because you like Dev Patel so much. He's so adorable. He's very adorable. He's the cutest. Uh, He has 69 in Metacritic, so it's the lowest Best Picture nominee. I don't know what I was doing with my life that I ended up watching part of that uh, Marigold Hotel movie on HBO which is not particularly good. And I don't actually suggest anyone watch it, but he's just so fucking adorable. I can't. So I'm going to say you're going to give this one a seven as well. And what are you saying? Are you actually saying a five? Or I said four. Four. Um, do you give movies fours? Did you? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, if it's actually a good movie, I probably wouldn't. No, I don't think it's going to be a good movie. Uh, then probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see potentially it's, it's I, it might be a four, I guess. Uh, five, I guess. Okay. Now, Arrival, another potentially, I feel like this this is very clearly this year's The Martian. Um, it's a, a it, It's got to be better than The Martian. The Martian fucking sucked. Uh, a lot of people, it's very divisive as well. People, Some people hated this movie. Um, obviously, it's another big budget space movie, which is why that is. I like, what's her name? Jessica Chastain. Yeah. That, who's in it? Uh, Amy Adams. Close enough. <laughs> um, I like Amy Adams. Uh, so I think you're going to. This will be a backlash. I think you'll give this a five. All right. All right. Um, I was going to say six for you. Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures is, I feel like, right in my blind spot. I don't know if I'm using sports terminology correctly in any way. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's the kind of movie that I will enjoy 
more than I should. Like, I, I think I will be able. So I guess that's part of my question about the scores. Is this like the score I think it deserves or how much I enjoy it? This is the score I think it deserves, right? It's going to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I can guarantee you that whatever the score I think it deserves is, I probably will enjoy it like one or two points higher than that. This is just like very mm-hmm. up my alley. Lady Power, a little good, good little historical drama. Something. I'm saying you're giving it an eight. I said it. Oh, no way. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be an eight. I said it. You're going to give it uh, a it's six. On, it's on the record. Probably feel like lucky it got that. Although I, you do like that girl. Yeah, Janelle Monae. I think I will like that. I think this could be potentially charming. It has a 74. I think I will like it. I think I'll give it above a six. If I were predicting for myself, I would say a seven or eight. Oh, interesting. Hacksaw Ridge. Last but least, probably. Yeah, Hacksaw Ridge. Okay, so I heard, I read what it was about on Metacritic and I was like oh that sounds really interesting because the premise is really interesting and then we watched a preview in fact probably I've only seen previews for like two or three of these movies and something about it really bugged me visually which is a strange criticism like it looked like I don't what 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 did they do to it that it was so weird looking I don't know maybe you hate the director well I definitely fucking hate the director let's be clear but Mel Gibson fucking Mel Gibson um yeah i agree like yeah the when i learned what the premise was i was like i thought it was kind of interesting um but the trailer did not give me any interest in that movie so i agree that i think this could be another one uh that that might be a little divisive and and probably low rated by us so i will say you will give that one a five i'm gonna say a five for you as well all right so we're in the books i just wanted to do that i hope it wasn't too boring but we just gave a little bit of analysis about each of the best pictures before seeing them um the only two that really have a chance at winning Best Picture, it seems, are La La Land and Moonlight, and La La Land is the favorite. Um, what do you think you will, what do you predict you will think should win Best Picture after watching them all? Moonlight. You're just very confident? Yes. Okay. Cool. Me too. Uh, but I think it has a chance. I, I was pretty yeah. encouraged by Spotlight winning last year over... Revenant. Revenant. Oh, God damn it. I can't believe there was ever a time when Revenant was like seriously going to win. Yeah. Um, and, and Spotlight was good. I mean, it wasn't like amazing, but Mark Ruffalo, how charming. Yeah. So next on the agenda. Um, so what I did, just like when I did my recent podcast on the PPRL pod, I combined some of my topics that I had pre-written out with some of uh, John Rhodes's suggestions. So we're going to bounce John back John Rhodes forth. gave us suggestions? Not specifically for this one, but general Aww. suggestions. Um, and so actually this one's going to be, I didn't tell John Rhodes I was doing this. So it's going to be a surprise. I'm kind of excited. Um, but anyway, so, uh, this is another one of mine before we, we, uh, bounce to one of his. So in general, and I think this has a more broad appeal. What is your food strategy for, uh, going to two mo- movie marathons that are 12 hours long on consecutive Saturdays? How are you going to, how are you going to survive the day? So I actually differ from some of the members of our league in this respect, because I think most people are just pretty pumped about as Abby saw would say eating all the things. Um, I start to feel pretty sick pretty quickly if I eat particularly sugar. Uh, so my strategy is actually use usually to eat pretty healthy. I mean, all things considered, I usually indulge in a fair amount of popcorn. Um, and we do start the day with the traditional donut, but I usually try to avoid anything shitty other than that, because it is a marathon, not a sprint, my friends. So how do you, sur- how do you eat enough food? How do you survive? I, I pack some, uh, what are those things called? Lara bars, um, try to eat a good breakfast. And, uh, we are at an AMC where you can dine in. So I think I just try to pick the least disgusting option. 
Which is never dinner. But we used to be able to go out for dinner, and that was good. I mean, we could still maybe. Oh yeah, we will we'll go out. We, they give us a pretty. They give you a decent dinner break. Um, so yeah, I uh, of course because it's free refills. I really load up on the soda, <laughs> which He's, is you guys. It's disgusting. Um, but yeah, most of the food is gross. Like you, and especially at AMC, and like with with food labeling laws, which apparently maybe are one of the things that are being uh modified by the new trump administration that and mentally ill people buying guns yeah um but like more easily when you know how many calories are like it's like literally like 1200 calories for pretzel bites with cheese like how is that even possible i don't know um i feel like it's just better not to know that yeah so usually i try to not eat too much crazy junk but i'll eat like a dinner that's gross and uh, just a ton of soda so yeah we'll see we'll see uh, anyway, so now next, uh, which these are all going to be questions that were addressed, uh, with Charlie Yorty, but this is the, now the Jen Murphy take, um, what sort of bonkers fantasy football rule change would you like to see? And again, so this, I would say in your dream world, you don't care about the actual, uh, you know, the, like our league, the fancy fantasy football league is deliberately designed to be beginner friendly, uh, very standard rules, nothing too crazy, but pretend that's out the window like what would you actually like to change uh in our league that would make it more fun for you i'm like the precisely wrong person for that question like i don't think bonkers changes are fun like they stress me out i want no part of it like i want to make it like in when you started asking the answer asking that question i was like oh we could get rid of kickers (laughs) like anything to reduce the randomness um i don't i don't i don't like what kind of bonkers rule suggestion what what possibilities are there there's any sorts like what um, are weird things people have done um well so we have keepers in the oh PPRL. no i do not want keepers we have a auction draft in the PPRL. that's league. not a wacky rule change. no i this is not we aren't getting to the wacky rules yet these are just the i know well, the I know foundation necessary rules. no but these are necessary to describe the wacky rules okay uh so we added um auction inflation and uh so that the you whatever keepers you kept you had to pay essentially a a tax if you kept additional keepers so that um you couldn't have a crazy roster we went from two keepers to three keepers because of um people who were able to make rule changes decided that and the the craziest one was the league champion got to steal a keeper from anyone in the league uh as their first choice that's literally my fantasy football nightmare That we have keepers and that people can then take them from me. I would probably, like, I would lose whole fantasy seasons to just feeling salty. Um, John Rhodes, his suggestion that he was proposing was uh, he's big, as you know, John Rhodes, very morally upright individual, very progressive ideals. Um, he, He was considering an option that any, essentially any player in the NFL with a real world like arrest or domestic battery situation is com- instantly ineligible to be on anyone's team. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I know. I knew, I thought you might. Yeah. I'm buying that. Or that there's some sort of like penalty for owning them. Yeah. Like they cost more money or they like automatically start with negative five points for the week or something. Yeah. I don't know what Megan Nick would do. Yeah. No, they only have bad character. people. It, on their it's team it's really been impressive yeah. over the years. Uh, I don't think they're doing it on purpose. I think they're doing it knowingly. I don't think they're seeking them out, but I think they care less. 
But I think most of our league just doesn't even know. Yeah. I don't think they are. I think it's just coincidence. Anyway, I just uh, I just thought I'd throw that out there for... Wait, who for... won your league this year? It was Aaron Lauder. Aaron Lauder won. How did John take that? I understand that they had some, they had some words earlier this year. Um, he teased Aaron about being negligent, having a bad team, not caring about his team name or his logo, um, about not... So the big... It all started at the beginning of the year because Aaron... Um, half paid attention during the auction draft and was after the beginning was hosting, not even participating in, but hosting pub trivia. Uh, <laughs> during the draft? Yeah. That's kind of awesome. Uh, and, and he ended up with an awesome team and uh, won. Oh. So I have lots of questions about Aaron Letter's life. He's like down in Champaign, right? Yep. Just like still being an undergrad or whatever. Well, that's another whole other line of uh, discussion. Um, he was teased about not having his life together by John on the podcast. And so he said that he really is trying to get it together. He does, um, last we heard live with a vocal Trump supporter. That's what I was referring to. That was the big, the big deal. Yeah. That's fascinating. So there's a lot going on. It's a big dynamic here. We haven't seen, man, I, I miss all you guys. Yeah, exactly. From the half of the podcast that I don't see The, the, the half of the podcast, this podcast that I see all the time. I miss you guys too, but it's not the same. Indeed. I don't think this is going well, Pat. I think you're wrong. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Continue. Uh, the next thing I just want to talk about was uh, if you have any thoughts on what were perceived to be snubs. Uh, and so I have some labeled on the same spreadsheet. Um, specifically. Well, before you tell me what the supposed snubs are, I can tell you the little that I know. Okay. Um, and I will try not to look at your spreadsheet. I understand that Natalie Portman was expected to be potentially nominated. Well, expected potentially isn't really. Uh, was was maybe favored as a possible nominee for Jackie, right? Yes. Um, another cast, like another movie that like makes me mad, even though I haven't seen it and I don't quite know why. She just seems like a strange choice for that role, and I'm sort of glad that it's not getting that much attention. Uh, even though I like Natalie Portman, um, yeah, that's I think the only the only potential snub I even know about. Pep. Well, I was mostly focusing on snubs for Best Picture. Uh, so these are just picture-wise. Actually, the biggest consensus, the biggest snub is Amy Adams for Actress on Arrival. People really thought she was going to be nominated, and she was not. I sort of, I mean, again, having not seen these movies, Emma Stone for La La Land is just blowing my mind. Because I think Emma Stone is charming as fuck, but I do not think she's, like, particularly talented-seeming. She just kind of is the same all the time, and I think she looks like she's doing that thing in La La Land. So I just don't understand... It, uh, controversial statements and some of you should probably like put your little earmuffs on but i kind of feel the same way about uh what's her name from you know who i'm talking about i don't because you i've feel said way about everyone i know no i don't <laughs> um uh, a couple of years ago the movie with the <laughs> this is not going well you guys i'm really tired all the time uh we have a baby um she was in hunger games there we go Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. I think she seems very charming. She was legitimately fantastic in Winter's Bone. But everything since then, she's just like been Jennifer Lawrence. And everyone's like, oh, my God, she's an amazing actress. And I do not understand. Yeah, I didn't have enough information to figure that out based on what you said. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, fair. Um, so anyway, Jen hates all actresses. No, I don't. She's There's very catty. Actresses. No, I like Amy Adams a lot. <laughs> Are you kidding me? These, some of these people listening to this podcast 
Don't hang out with me all the time. They don't know. Okay. So anyway. (sighs) You guys. For best picture, the things that are considered snubs, um, the real ones that are kind of considered snubs or were potentially going to be on the list are Jackie, people considered, uh, Silence, the Scorsese movie um, that's about uh, with like the guy like getting uh, finding religion in very harsh environments and it kind of looked because it was so the the filming experience was so rugged it kind of gave me a vibe of revenant uh but it was more of a religious experience as opposed to a pioneer experience and then sully um the uh, tom hanks movie i'm so glad that i i like tom hanks a lot um, I don't know why I keep commenting on like the lead actors and actresses of all these movies as mm-hmm. if that's the only thing that matters. But uh, I remember seeing the preview for Sully and my first thought was like, oh God, now we have to fucking watch that during the Oscar marathon. Yeah. And I didn't think it looked interesting at all. Um, and weirdly, it reminded me of the pirate hijacking movie. That yeah. Also, like any movie where the main thing is just like a large transport vehicle and that's the plot. I just... I'm and not, starring I'm, Tom Hanks <laughs> and based on a true story. Right. I'm I mean, not there. I mean, it, it's very logical to have that remind you of it i think yeah well and that that ended up being better than i expected i didn't think it was great it was better than i expected and yet still not something i wanted to spend my time watching yeah um i feel like i just want to talk about like last year's nominees or years past man oh too bad uh one thing that people talked about possibly getting a nomination which filled me with extreme rage was deadpool people there's like a a underground when you told me that i thought you were kidding there was like an underground swell of support for Deadpool being nominated. And it was like people were comparing it to like Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises and saying like, that's why they expanded the field to up to 10 so that they could have like popular blockbusters in the best picture race. And like Deadpool. But didn't they mean like Star Wars and like Mad Max and I'm trying to think of, there was some movie that like prompted that, right? It was dark. It was specifically dark, dark night rises, which oh, I, the dark night, dark night, which Nick cover your ears. I think is like a tiny bit overrated. No, dark night is excellent. Uh, dark night rises was overrated. The one with Bane, I thought was overrated. Oh, well that was definitely overrated, but dark night. No, the first three quarters I'm there. And then, or maybe it was the first half, but as soon as they did like the fucking prisoner's dilemma on the boats, just ugh. anyway. So people were talking about in the same terms, Deadpool talking about, Deadpool in the same terms as That's, Dark Knight. And it really made me angry. That, I mean, I don't even know if that makes me angry. It just, like, it doesn't compute. Like, my brain can't process that information. Yeah, we watched Deadpool. Because, so, uh, did, in, here's a little behind the scenes, but you don't care. Uh, so, we deliberately avoid watching movies that we think will be nominated for Best Picture so that they're all new at, for the Best Picture Showcase. So, obviously, we thought it was safe to watch Deadpool. Uh, Do you know how mad I would have been if I had to watch Deadpool a second time? Very. It would have, it would have been a more like... Like, you know, one year we had to watch Lincoln twice. That was fine. We didn't watch Lincoln twice. Casey and Annalisa watched Lincoln twice? <laughs> yeah. But did, we've had to watch something twice for the movie marathon. Yeah, but not Lincoln. Mad Max, definitely. We yeah. We watched that twice. And that was awesome. I think you watched it like... That was like your seventh time. Yeah. So good. Um, but anyway, I was thought it was hilarious that Deadpool was in people on people's lists. It doesn't lists. make sense. It was it was really bad, guys. I, I please provide feedback if you think that it was actually good. I would like to hear a defense of oh, yeah, Deadpool. Yeah, I want to read your like fifty email long email chain about Deadpool. The amount you guys email. See, this is why we can't do a joint podcast. Because yes, are, we can. Are we talking to the fancy listeners or are we talking to? Well, don't worry, Kevin. Hey, guess guess what? Don't worry. The fancy listeners know that they don't have an active email chain because they hate me. <laughs> You guys, I think what's happened here is that the differences between these two leagues have made Pat very sad. Uh, what Does your league have a name, your law school league? 
I keep saying PPRL. This peer, PPRL. Peers Pub Remembrance League. Oh, okay. Well, the Peers Pub Remembrance League is like the most active email chain that has ever existed. And our fancy email chain mostly involves Pat writing really, really long, like funny, thoughtful, cute emails. Pat writes a good email, you guys. And then Nick complaining that they're too long and can't possibly be read. In fact, when we launched the podcast, there was like, there was like so much delight that Pat was offended. <laughs> oh, no. And specifically, Nick was like, yeah, I never read your emails, but your podcast is great. So that, yeah, like the, the emails, like it was a deliberate decision to essentially shut down the email chain because nothing ever happened and the, the podcast kind of replaced it. But I'm, fa- I'm fascinated by your other league's email chain. Yeah, it, it is. It has been continuous since the start of the league. Like it's been like essentially like a, at least six years continuous email. Um, and everyone participates? To varying degrees, you know, not everyone always. What do you like? Rank me the highest to lowest participation. No, no, I'm I'm gonna need that. No, I will not do that. Uh, I mean, you can do it in like uh, brackets or chunks or whatever. So certainly, certainly Charlie and John, right? Uh, John, less so Charlie. I would say John number one, um, and he would be in his own tier if we're doing tiers, and then probably Charlie, Matt, Lee, Bill would be tier two um i would like peg dave Dave artman as like a once every two months but with something really insightful that's very accurate (laughs) i love dave artman so much you guys paula vanzino never ever writes in i don't know who that is so yeah that's layla's husband oh okay i know who layla is yeah um so yeah dave artman never writes in but when he does it's delightful paul avanzino never writes in at like literally ever pretty much paul whitehair pretty much never writes in he's a busy guy uh dylan super rarely writes in huber writes in medium so i would say he'd be tier three uh mike huber um aaron lauder is above is probably tier four and i put put myself like between tier one and tier two i mean sorry between tier two and tier three like All right. like a, a relatively consistent but not among the most active so so yeah anyway people write in a lot uh it it is like what i learned i didn't know before that league uh is that email chains on on gmail um end at 100 emails and then it just starts a new email thread how often do you guys hit 100 emails super super often <laughs> like once a week no not that often um but like probably two times a month it's a lot yeah so uh we're talking about snubs we're talking the, the reason right. we talked about the emails was because of Deadpool. You you really wanted to hear about the Deadpool defense if it exists. Uh so those are the so Jackie, Silence, Sully are the big potential snubs. Deadpool was the fringe ridiculous mention for snubs. And and then I think there are three others that are seemingly deserving critical acclaim wise, but are otherwise uh discriminated against. And that would be uh OJ Made in America, the documentary that has a ninety six on Metacritic. Uh it's it's nominated for Best Documentary. And you think it should be nominated for Best Picture? Uh, potentially. There, there oh, have been people making on. arguments. There have been people making that argument. We watched that. Yeah. I, I do not see the argument that could be made. Okay. Uh, another documentary, I Am Not Your Negro, also has a 96 on Metacritic uh, and is supposed to be super amazing. It is, it is not a crazy long multi-part TV miniseries pretending to be a movie. It's actually a movie uh, and, and it potentially is a snub. And then last but not least... Tony Erdman, pop quiz, Jen. Have you ever even heard uh, of the title Tony Erdman? Sure haven't. Uh, it is nominated for Best Foreign Film. It is a nearly three-hour-long German 
comedy. How intrigued are you? Zero percent intrigued. Yeah. It like it has won like every award everywhere pretty much. It's like people are falling over themselves and it's supposed to be super awesome. Um and wasn't there a foreign film nominated for Best Picture at the Golden Globes? Oh, but they divide into com- no, but it was a drama. Yeah, it was L, the French movie. Yeah, and it won. Yeah, and that's not even nominated for foreign film what? at the Oscars. It was a, that was the other big snub, probably. I guess I don't see it on your snubs list. Well, because it's that's it because it's a snub for foreign film. These are only snubs for Best Picture. So what I'm hearing again and again is that you've come to this podcast unprepared. No, that's just not even a little true. <laughs> I know. Um, so anyway, Tony Erdman supposed to be awesome, but it's like super long and it's a German comedy, which sounds oxymoronic. Sorry, Germans. Next on the list, suggested by John Rhodes, berate the guest for no reason. You're berating me? Yeah. I'm berating you. I'm berating you. You're the guest. I'm the host. You're the guest. What are you going to go ahead? Um, Jen, you're, I, I think you're not great. Well, okay. I mean, at least berate me about things that are real. I know you think I'm great. Oh, that was real, Jed. <laughs> I mean, I was pretty grumpy earlier today. Yeah, you were. Um, Jen, I don't like that you don't clean the straws. Take that. I, was, I, I wasn't planning on actually berating you. Uh, I'm done. It was just this a is thing like the list. most boring berating. You could, you could really berate me if you wanted. <laughs> no, thank you. We're moving on. Okay, I, I'm trying to think of topics for you to berate me on. Next, the last thing suggested by... John Rose, and the last thing before the super extensive trivia section that I'm very excited about. Oh, Jesus. Um, do you hear that music? That's right. It's time for the new recurring segment on the PPRL. Do white people eat fruit? <laughs> what now, does Jen, that mean? Now, Jen... I live with you. I know the answer to this question, but I just wanted to get into it because it was called a recurring segment. And it's funny because Has he I actually answer. asked people or done this or what? I, don't know, I don't know what this means. Jen, are you a white person? Yes. Do you eat fruit? Yes. Do you actually eat fruit? Kind of a lot. When you say you eat fruit, do you just mean apples and bananas? I don't even particularly like apples or bananas. What? How do you eat fruit? Today, I had a smoothie that had bananas and blueberries in it, amongst other things. Um, I ate some dried mangoes for a snack this morning and some dried apricots for a snack this afternoon. And then I had two clementines before dinner. Sounds like you eat fruit, Jen. I do. I knew that you ate fruit. I know you knew. You also eat a lot of berries. Berries are fucking delicious. You eat a lot of of oatmeal with berries? Yeah, because they're best friends you oatmeal, i don't i'm starting to worry that the world doesn't appreciate oatmeal enough i it keeps me up at night jen <laughs> people always look at me like i'm a weirdo when i'm eating oatmeal at work as if people don't eat and love oatmeal oatmeal is delicious it's okay i mean i think it's probably because people are eating rolled oats and they don't understand how much more delicious steel cut oats are yeah anyway uh general so that would be uh, Wait, so do other people not eat I, what is he hoping to get out of this i think he thinks that white people don't eat fruit um so it was just so far me well you. wait hold on what do you eat well i eat mostly the smoothies that and you apples. provide and apples and uh dried apricots when they're available and uh the occasional cutie 
you only eat cuties when I am eating the cutie and like put a segment of a cutie in your mouth like a baby bird. <laughs> That's a weird and not quite fair description. It's very close to accurate. But anyway, I... When was the last time you peeled your own cutie? Probably, I certainly within the past month. <laughs> but how many times in the past month have you eaten a segment of a cutie? Probably not as many, like three or four. Okay. Anyway... So, John Rhodes, you're over three so far in finding the elusive white person who doesn't actually eat fruit. Char- Charlie Yorty, eating very I'm, healthy and exercising uh, currently and, and taking a lot of, eating a lot of fruit. Well, congratulations, Charlie yeah. Yorty. Exercise makes me want to die. So, yeah, uh, I'm excited to hear what, here, I'm not going to listen to it, for you to tell me what Dave Artman's response is to the fruit question. He probably, like, exclusively eats delightful and exotic he, fruits. He has it hooked up in an IV. I just think that it'll be an interesting answer because he is the most interesting man in the world. Indeed. Now, the part that I've been waiting for, let's get into some random Oscar facts. Uh, so I, I'm calling it Oscar trivia, but I'm not going to actually like quiz Jen on it. That would be kind of unfair. I arranged it so that it, first of all, what I tried to do was find some little tidbits about the current nominees or a few of them not even all of them and then go dig into the historical records of the relevant things that compare to that um and i'm starting with the most obvious things and getting more and more weird and obscure are you ready jen yes first of all the easiest one of all la la land is the most nominated movie and it in fact is tied for the most nominations of all time do you remember how many nominations it has received 14 that is correct. And do you know which two movies it ties the record with for with 14 nominations? One of them is all about Eve. That's the one that most people would not get. We'll get back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, Titanic? Correct. Titanic and All About Eve both had 14 nominations. Oh, that's... Ugh. Poor All About Eve um all about eve is amazing i'm guessing a lot of you haven't seen it all of you should watch it immediately it's just delightful i forced patrick to watch it after i saw it and he loved it because i do love it just great it is super good it is one it is one of the best movies i've ever seen also um it is on the afi top 100 american movies of all time list and so it is let's say the project is on hiatus we haven't watched it's on baby break um but we were going through about once a week or twice a month um, watching one movie off the list to try and get through the entire list. And one of those movies was all about Eve and it was amazing. And certainly the best one that I didn't know anything about uh, going into it. And I feel like most people don't know anything about it and it's just delightful. You guys, a lot of these old movies are super fucking weird. Yeah. Just like, so what was that one with the motorcycles? It was just like an acid trip that didn't stop. Are you talking about the main one? Like the, Low Rider, Easy Rider, Easy Rider. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a famous. I mean, that is a much less obscure movie than some of these other ones that are super weird. It was so weird. Urban yeah. Cowboy or the Cowboy? I don't know. Yeah, John Voight. So weird. Yeah, yeah. Bonnie and Clyde. Weirder than I thought it would be. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the, and I would say the only other movie that's super old that I really liked that I didn't expect was Who's Virginia. Afraid of Virginia Woolf? You yeah. loved it. It was so good. So good, you guys. Is it? Is that the same actress? No, 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 no. It's Betty Davis and uh, then Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf is what's her name? Liz Taylor. Yep. Um, so anyway, All About Eve is super good. 
I loved it. You guys should watch it if you haven't seen it. What was the leopard one that was weird? Bringing uh, up baby. Yeah, that was weird. Super weird. So weird. Also, apparently, fun fact, the first time in that we know of that somebody, not me and Pat, but like the film industry, there was someone said gay in the modern context in a film, and they think that it slipped by the censors because they didn't know what it meant. There you go. Um, I have an IMDb problem when we're watching the old movies. She sure does. So, uh, other records with La La Land specifically. So, the most, the most um, Oscars won by single movie is also a tie, uh, three-way tie with 11. Titanic won 11 of its 14 nominations. Uh, Ben-Hur won 11 of 12 nominations. And Lord of the Rings Return of the King went 11 for 11. Right, is this a quiz or just a Pat reading facts time? I'm kidding. <laughs> I told you specifically I'm I wasn't going to be quizzing. I'm quizzing kidding. Um, so if, you know, La La Land maybe could set a record for most uh, most Oscars. That would probably make me angry, I'm guessing. Damien Chazelle, the director, uh, if he wins Best Director, would be the youngest Best Director of all time at 32 years old. Guys, that is younger than, like, all of us. Whew. Younger than actually. Oh, I guess that's not true. Um, the next thing. So, again, going more and more obscure. So this is still very well known. I think you got this. Lin-Manuel Miranda. If he wins the Oscar, he would have the elusive what combination of awards? Tony. There's a phrase. EGOT is what we're looking for. So it's the Emmy. Golden Globe. Grammy. Grammy. Oscar. Tony. Interesting. So wait, he, wait, 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 wait. How did your um, league's Hamilton debate shake out? Oh, he, um, he, he didn't ask it of everyone. Um, it was mostly Hamilton was defended. Uh, but he only asked like two or three times. Oh. Hamilton's actually awesome. Yeah, it was really good. Not uncontroversial stance. Hamilton, very good. <laughs> Apparently in your league it is. Yeah, well, uh, well, according to John. Anyway, so Lin-Manuel Miranda is nominated for Best Original Song for How Far I'll Go from Moana. And if he wins the Oscar, he will be the youngest EGOT winner of all time. Um, so you might, as you might expect, he won many Grammys for both of his musicals, Hamilton and In the Heights is his other musical, and also a bunch of Tonys for both of those as well, In the Heights and Hamilton. He won an Emmy for working on the 67th Tony Awards. Like he wrote a song for the Tony Awards ceremony itself and got an Emmy for that. So that was kind of weird. Um, so the, the interesting thing is, because he is such an awesome guy, he wouldn't merely have the EGOT if he got an Oscar. He, some people say he is actually going for the McPeegot. What's the McPeegot, Jed? I don't care even a little. Uh, well, he's already won a MacArthur Foundation Award, aka a Genius Grant, for his work on In the Heights. So that's the Mac. And then he and then the P is either depending on which ver- which flavor of the McPeegot or Peegot you're going for, uh, Pulitzer. Uh, or a Peabody Award. He won a Pulitzer for Hamilton. Um, so in history, so far, there are 12 EGOT winners. Not very many. Not very many. But there are only... There are zero McPeegot winners. He would be the first in history. Uh, and there are four PGOT winners, two of each variety. Two that got the Pulitzer plus the EGOT, and two that got the Peabody plus the, P- plus the EGOT. Uh, the Pulitzer winners are Richard Rogers of Rogers and Hammerstein. You heard of them? Yes. And composer Marvin Hamlish, just a random guy. The Peabody edition, uh, director Mike Nichols, and 
super popular lady, Barbara Streisand. Wow. Peacock. The next thing that probably you're aware of, Meryl Streep was nominated again. So she extended her own record for most acting nominations. Do you know how many times she's been nominated for Best Actress? I actually have no idea. Like 25 or something. 20. That was actually pretty close. Do you know how many times she's won out of those 19 before now? Eight? Only three. Three out of 19. For any Best or Supporting? Yeah. Uh, For Kramer versus Kramer, Sophie's Choice, and Iron Lady. Um, And so she has 20 nominations. The people tied for second most acting nominations are Catherine Hepburn and Jack Nicholson, both with 12. So she's like destroying everyone else. Can we talk about how it's really weird that they separate women and men into different acting categories? Yes, we can. It's really weird. Why is it weird, Jen? It's not like a fucking sport. I don't understand why they can't be like why it's a gendered comparison. I agree. I mean, one argument is just that they want to give away more awards. Well, they could do like what the Golden Globes do and divide it into comedy and drama. Just do just do male or female comedy actor, male or female dramatic actor and just be done with it. I mean, you just call them actors. I think that's what I said about the male and female. But yeah, um, I just think it's really strange. I guess I probably you would see mostly men being nominated and winning which i suppose is maybe the idea but it's a little bit strange i mean i don't know i'm i'm definitely speaking off the cuff i feel like i am not properly educated on the feminist perspective on this issue yeah um i just thought it was crazy uh let's hear about more records with nominations in general for individuals shall we yay guess who has the most nominations acting or otherwise I don't know out of anyone ever very famous dude classic movies animated Walt Disney Walt Disney has the most nominations of any person with 59 and the most most nominations of a, for a living person is uh, John Williams the composer with 50 and this one was very surprising to me so I thought that 3 out of 19 and probably three out of 20 because people don't think she's going to win. It was kind of a low batting average for nominations versus wins. Guess how many is the highest number of times someone's been nominated and always won. So, you know, one for one, two for two, three for three. Guess what the highest number is someone has a perfect record. Two for two. Four for four. So a little more than you thought, but still very few. And that was just a sound editor, Mark Berger. Oh, Um, I thought we were just talking in acting categories. No, category. So I thought that was crazy that it was only four for four was the best record. Um, next, and this one you kind of uh, hinted at earlier in the podcast, uh, our friend Janelle Monet. She had made her essentially live action big screen debut this year in two movies, Moonlight and Hidden Figures, and both are nominated for Best Picture. Uh, so she is doing awesome with her burgeoning film career. Also, if you watched the SAGs or the Golden Globes, she obviously is a very delightful person. Both times, Pat was like, who's that girl with the crazy hair? I like it. <laughs> crazy hair, crazy dress. Seems very delightful. Always happy. Like, bouncing between the two casts of the two awesome movies that she's on. Um, yeah, I just thought she seemed pretty awesome. Uh, so, she's, as you know, a musician. I listened. I was like, oh, I don't know much about her. I don't know her music. I listened to her current, her most recent I think single. the only thing I know is Tightrope, right? That's her? Yeah. Uh, her newest single is called Yoga, and it was awful. 
with a title like that, I'm yeah. shocked. It's a lot of innuendo about stretching and yoga pants and lots of things. It wasn't very good. It wasn't very good. Did she say namaste? I don't remember. I do believe she said, you can't police me. Get out of my areola. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think. No, I heard you. Don't. I think that's Stop. what she said. No, don't. But anyway, she seems delightful. Uh, I don't know. I like the song Queen. I also listened to Queen and that was pretty good. But I did not like yoga. I'm shocked. Um, now we're getting into the more obscure arcane well, I think topics. what you mean is we're getting into It's 10.01, which is my bedtime. Uh, no, we're not doing that. We have, I, have, I have a page of trivia to go through. It sounds like you could do this yourself. Nope. Uh, so Kubo and the Two Strings is an animated movie. And it is nominated for... Uh, visual effects. It is only the second fully animated movie ever to be nominated for visual effects. Can you guess what the other one was? It was a stop motion classic from 1993. You love this movie? I stopped listening a little bit. What was the... It was to be nominated for... Animated movie nominated for visual effects? Yes. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas? That is correct! It did not win because Jurassic Park won. But that is the only other fully animated movie to be nominated for visual effects. And Kubo and the Two Strings is the second one. Fun fact for all of you guys. Apparently, a young Pat Polk passionately loved Jurassic Park. And in Polk family lore, after seeing it, insisted on repeating the entire plot, like scene for scene, word for word, to his mom over the course of a long, long grocery store trip. That happened. Yes. I recited the movie to her. How old were you? Uh, Well, if it was in 1993, I'm sure I was either like 10 or 11, probably. I just think that's the cutest thing. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. I'm a cute guy. (laughs) Uh, Next, uh, OJ Made in America, which we previously discussed, is the longest movie ever nominated at 467 minutes. So approaching eight hours. Um, it It is kind of a controversial movie to be eligible because it was essentially a tv miniseries that they screened in los angeles just so that it would be eligible for an oscar so that they showed it some weekends as one eight hour sitting in los angeles and people actually said it was a good way to experience it which sounds crazy to me but of course we're the people who are going to 12 hour marathons they have a 24 hour marathon so yeah. there are crazier people out there um the record for longest movie to win an award is war and peace um, the Russian version winning for best foreign film in 1968. And that was 432 minutes long. So half an hour shorter. I could not easily find if to confirm that that was the, the, the previous winner for longest nominated movie, but it seems likely that it might've been uh, the, and the longest movie to win best picture was your favorite movie of all time or favorite book gone with the wind. It's there, not my favorite yeah. movie or book of all time, but I do like it a lot. Okay. And so that one is tw- 224 minutes. It has problems. We all know that. Overall, it's very enjoyable. 238 minutes if you include the overture Entre de Act and Exit Music. Um can you guess what the two crappiest movies to receive any nominations are according to Metacritic? Ever or this, no, this year? year? Just this year. <laughs> no, because they're going to be like nominated in like costume or something makeup and hairstyling which was what suicide squad great that is an oscar nominated movie and then your favorite person jennifer lawrence passengers is nominated for best score in production design i don't think i've ever heard of that movie that's the one uh with chris pratt and they are on a spaceship and it was like 
looking like a weird romantic movie and everyone said it was awful i nope there's a trailer ringing zero bells there's a trailer where jennifer lawrence is swimming in a sphere of zero gravity water nope it's a visual anyway got nothing uh, so passengers has a 41 on metacritic and suicide squad has a 40 on metacritic um speaking of passengers the person who wrote that score is thomas newman uh and it is 14th nomination with zero wins he comes from the newman family guess how many nominations the newman family has all for music related oscars are they the toy story people yes randy newman is his cousin oh 30 90 (laughs) holy shit uh his dad was a super big deal composer alfred newman um he had 43 nominations on his own and randy newman of toy story fame had 20 um with two wins but yeah poor poor thomas has 14 nominations and no wins so far but someone else this year has set the record for most nominations with no wins and that would be kevin o'connell in uh sound design uh sound editing he has 21 nominations with no wins he is nominated for hacksaw ridge um the previous winner was Victor Young, who was a composer. He was nominated 20 times before he finally won, and he was nominated for two that time, and he won one of them, so he was uh, one out of 22, but he died, so it was a posthumous award, so he's nominated 20 times during his lifetime, two times after he died, and he won them right after he died. What did he win for? Uh, he won for Around the World in 80 Days in 1957 for uh, compo- the score. So that was crazy, I thought. So, huh. And this is my last huge, huge chunk that brings up posthumous awards. So I promised I'd talk about it. The movie Fences. Do you know anything at all about the origins of that movie, Jen? Um, what is the lady's name from that Grey's Anatomy, Shonda Rhimes murder show? The actress. Viola Davis. Viola Davis. Isn't it about her family? I have no idea. And it's a play. It is a play. What I'm getting at is the production history of it. I don't know that it's about her family at all. Maybe it's not. And she just was giving a speech where she was relating her family to that family. I but I'm, I did I be- not see this whole I speech. believe it is a fictional play. It was written by playwright August Wilson. Uh, he wrote the screenplay. Interestingly, he died in 2005. Uh, so he died 12 years ago. Yeah, they um, said something about how it took a long time to get made. Yeah. Um, Brad Pitt producing? He usually does, yeah. <laughs> he usually does. All all the movies. All the movies. Uh, so he wrote the play in 1983, and the script was optioned in 1987. He wrote the screenplay back in, like, the 80s. Uh, it was originally attached to with Eddie Murphy playing, like, a teenager role in the 80s. And it, then it took forever. Um, but now he's nominated for original sc- or adapted screenplay. But he does not, at 12 years, have the record for longest posthumous award uh, nomination that goes to larry russell who was nominated for and won an oscar 18 years after he died for the charlie chaplin movie limelight and what i found out was that uh limelight had a very crazy history why was why was someone winning an oscar for it 18 years after it came out so first of all uh charlie chaplin wrote a whole bunch of he wrote directed starred in wrote the music for did everything essentially for his own movies. Uh, and for limelight specifically, he had helpers uh, with the score. So Larry Russell and Raymond Rash and Charlie Chaplin all wrote the score and uh, all won best score for it. However, 
the movie was finished in 1952 uh, and was going to be released in America, but then Charlie Chaplin was accused of being a communist sympathizer, and so he was in uh, England promoting the movie, and he was not permitted back to America because of his uh, accusations of being a communist sympathizer. And so the movie was um, boycotted across the country and never got a wide release until 1972. Uh, And the rules for the Oscars are that you have to have a theatrical release in Los Angeles um, in order to be considered for an Oscar. And so uh, 20 years after its release, Limelight was eligible for, uh, for Oscars. And so, uh, it won in 1972 after both Larry Russell died 18 years after uh, 18 years before he won, and the other co-composer uh, Raymond Rash was also dead for eight years when he won. Uh, but Charlie Chaplin was still alive, and he uh, was alive to receive the award. And interestingly, Charlie Chaplin, one of the most famous you know actors, directors, writers, composers. Uh, of the silver age of cinema uh that was the only oscar he ever won um was for the score for limelight uh so i thought that was really crazy and there's also uh one other person who was dead for eight years when he won and uh or nominated and that's albert lemaris uh was nominated for best documentary feature eight years after his death for the lover's wind um and then the last thing uh, just trivia because I kept going down this hole deeper and deeper. I was forced to confront the fact that the word playwright is spelled very weird uh, when I was doing research about uh, fences. Uh, playwright August Wilson. Uh, playwright, of course, being spelled P L A W P L A Y W R I G H T. And I wondered why. And so I looked up the etymology. And it turns out playwright, uh, the origin of that word is not as someone who writes plays like W R I T E, but, uh, it is the word is W R I G H T as in someone who constructs something. And apparently the most common other example besides playwright spelled that way is wheelwright as in someone who creates or like constructs wheels. So, uh, that's your linguistic lesson of the day. Uh, and, and that concludes my extensive deep dive on a small number of topics on, uh, Oscars trivia. Sorry, I literally got up and left during that last segment. I thought it was very interesting, and you're a big meanie. I, it's so much past my bedtime, and I had things to do. But anyway, that, con- that concludes our lovely Oscar preview podcast, and I just wanted to thank everyone for listening and hope you thought it was interesting, and I want to say goodbye, and thanks for listening. What do you want to say, Jen? I give it like a C plus at best. I think we could have and should have done much better. Thanks, Jen. Thanks. I love you. Bye. I'm just going to take you from the top, huh? Let's do this. I mean, conceited flow, whatever you call it. You know what I mean? Smooth dude.